1: And thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Every once in a while, you bump into someone and you think, you know what? she's extraordinary, or he's extraordinary. There's so much to learn from them. And that was my experience when I was in uh, San Diego, California, and actually ran into a woman who lives right here in Utah, who actually is a speaker, an author, a consultant, working to help us all be a little bit more balanced, to become more motivated, and to be more productive at work and at home. Michelle McCullough, thank you so much for being here. Well, it is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I meant Utah. I mean, you don't live over the entire state, but in the heart (laughs) of Utah County, is that fair? Yes, absolutely. How did you get into the business of of coaching and, and coming up with how we can have a healthier view of life but still be productive? At least that's what I gather from looking at your books and reading them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: uh, my funny beginning is that at the age of 12, I begged my mother for a Franklin Day planner. <laughs> and so from the time I was really little, I loved success principles and time management and goal setting. And so I just always knew that I wanted to do something in that. And then I started in debate in high school and that's how I paid for college. And um, after that, I really wanted to do something with speaking. And somebody said, you could be a motivational speaker. And I thought, oh, that's great. But I've done so many other things and I'm trained in marketing and advertising as well. So my consulting started in business. And then it also just branched out to helping people manage both sides of their life, both personally and professionally. Because they interweave. They intersect all the time. Anyone who's been at
1: work, who's gotten the phone call that you know, you got to go to the ER because somebody's sick. you got to pick up your kid from school because of this. You've got a big science project. You're working on your 2 a.m. at the same time as you've got a PowerPoint due. It is a balance. But I need to say thank you. I got a copy of your book, Make It Happen, the Make It Happen Blueprint. Mm-hmm. It was really fascinating reading. In fact, one of the things you said in one of the chapters was that the myth of having a balanced life, uh, well, it's just a myth. It's impossible to have everything Balanced, Or you'd have eight hours at work, eight hours sleeping, eight hours exercising, right?
0: And it just doesn't happen, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so I'll tell you, one of the temptations we have when things are out of whack is to to give up, to keep the eye off the target. Just say, I'm going to shut down because I can't balance it. So today we'll focus on motivation and how to keep ourselves moving forward and feeling productive. So Michelle, is that okay if we go that
0: direction? Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I think that as you mentioned, I remember realizing when life balance was a myth and everyone just said, you have to find some life balance. I had just had my second child and was running three businesses from home and I was going absolutely crazy. And The more I tried to find balance, the more out of whack I felt. And then I realized that really life is about priorities. And especially for those who have kids at home and who are working on things professionally and also want to have a thriving personal life, it's not about finding a way to make everything fit, but knowing what priorities are most important. And sometimes you need to put some things for work on the back burner and focus on your kids. And sometimes the opposite is true because things at work are important to put food on the table. And sometimes you have to know when you need to take a break so you don't burn out. So we have responsibilities to ourselves and to others and also to um, providing for our families, but knowing when the priorities are important is the real key.
1: And how do you make that decision? Because even saying that, I would think, okay, uh, my priorities, well, my family, my responsibilities at work, you know church plays in there my myself uh, and family's wide it's extended sure. um neighbors friends that you care about so you can get spread
0: then pretty quickly absolutely in fact i have done some tests with some different groups and different clients where i've asked them to write down their individual roles and many of them have 12 or more and so trying to figure out how to keep all of those in alignment is a kind of a daily juggle and so sometimes it's a matter of knowing the big things that are coming up and making sure those are planned and scheduled Whether it's a family trip or a big project, and kind of working around the big things first. And then, second after that, it's kind of every day making the decision what do I need to do today? Okay, so if
1: we tackle the big thing first, there's two things that happen. One is that that gets planned. Sure. (laughs) Number two, mentally, there's now more bandwidth for the other things because it seems to me that when I've got something big looming, if I don't address it now every day, a few times an hour, that cloud of you've got to still do this, it comes moving (laughs) right over. And it's with me all day long. So you're just saying, if you do have some type of a project or a deadline ahead. Do your best to get those big things done so that you can check that off and focus in the now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We spend a lot of time worrying about big projects and how much long they're really going to take. And then the reality is, is they take less time or less brain power. They're not as hard, but often the worry about them occupies more of our time and keeps us from doing the things that we really care about. And if we would just tackle those things that are the most important and get them done, then it frees us up to have a lot more choices and options until one day you are only living by the last minute of something's due and this is due and then the next thing is due and you can always be deadline driven and so it's just a matter of being proactive versus reactive and trying to create the kind of proactive life that will help you do that so to be more preactive proactive versus
1: rea- reactive, do you have to get up earlier in the morning because, <laughs> because typically I, you know what one of my priorities has always been sleep too right but but when you 're up and running and then you're just doing, you know, juggling all that you're juggling, it does feel like you're just reacting rather than having the plan. So when do you make that daily plan or that decision? Is it, you know, 20 minutes early in the morning? (laughs) Because
0: I got to get a life tip on that. I know. It's amazing how many individuals will tell you that the most successful people in the world are the ones who are getting up earlier than everyone else. Everyone
1: else is sleeping. I know. It's the only time when you're not going to be interrupted.
0: Right. And I'm a night owl, but my kids are morning kids. And so I've had to adjust to kind of be a morning person. And so I try to wake up 30 to 60 minutes before my kids. I do my what I call a power-up routine. Some people call it a power hour, but I like to think of it as recharging. And I'm working on my goals. I'm reading something inspirational or motivational. I'm getting ready for the day. And then I do the same thing at night. I almost do two. Some people will plan the night before for the next day, but I do a morning and an evening, a power-up and a power-down. And that really helps me prepare for the day in the morning and then put my brain to sleep at night and I'm better at sleeping and better at able to tackle the next day because I've given those two times to me. That is an essential life skill, isn't it? To not just
1: set your priorities that morning, yes, but to also assess at the end of the day what was accomplished, what needs to be carried over so that you don't have that sense of
0: living in chaos. Right. And so many people who struggle with sleep are lying in bed thinking, is that appointment at two or is it at three? And did I get that done or do I need to go take care of that again? And so we have to figure out how to turn our brain off and create that routine that we do it regularly so that we can get better sleep and we have better energy the next day. Yeah, to know that there will be a time when you
1: address it. In other words, I can tell my brain, it's okay, later tonight, yes. uh, I'll, I'll be taking care of it. It's interesting you met, mentioned how you were an early Stephen R. Covey lover. Um, I met my husband in the throw of the Stephen R. Covey. Um, it was really funny. I actually worked for Stephen R. Covey back before nobody knew who he was. Sure. And I actually quit because I thought he wasn't going anywhere, (laughs) which is, you know, it's it's funny. But I met my husband and he definitely worked that type of a program. So he set his goals in the morning. And then at the end of the day, he would look back, he'd carry it over on the next piece of paper. I bring that up because he's no longer writing it down in a notebook. The world has become so digital. He is constantly looking for the best app to help him. Organize himself, and and when he's on, he, he becomes a, a missionary zealot for that sure. that tool. And he's been telling me about an app called Things, mm-hmm. and he, and he says, you know, what's great about Things is you can put what you need to do, and then you can decide its subcategories and how to carry it over. I got a little bit blurry eyed listening to him, but the reality is, the guy doesn't miss a thing. Sure, he doesn't miss a thing, and there is something so empowering about him feeling like I'm driving my day. It's not the phone ringing in the kitchen that takes it over. Right, Right, absolutely.
0: And so do you use digital tools? Go ahead. Well, um, I think Mm -hmm. some people use physical and some people use digital and they ask me all the time, which is better? And the answer is the right tool is the one that you'll use. So some people cannot live without their pen and paper planner still to this day. And they've tried going digital and it doesn't work. And that's okay. Other people who have been paper before and have moved digital say it's the best thing ever. But it doesn't have to be one way for one person. But it has to be something that you take with you always. So whether you are taking a physical planner everywhere you go or you're taking your phone that you already have and you can keep it in there, then that will help you be more successful. One of the reasons why people are so disorganized is that the things that they Need to remember are somewhere else from where they are, so you need to make sure that it just comes with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking at
1: my smartphone. That's definitely at my hip yeah. all the time. But like you said, there are there's been a um a, a coming back. I don't know how to say that in correct uh, English of the old leather books yes. that people just write notes in with their, their beautiful pens. Yes. And, you know, as my kids, of course, for Christmas, they always get the leather bound one from dad. yeah, Because that's what he's saying. Put your ideas down. Carry those with you because they, they tend to, to gather. So I don't want to derail your conversation. You're saying, let's let's go back to yours. Morning, plan it out. Evening, review and plan out the next day. Yep. Okay. Digital, Or paper. I do digital, but
0: some people do paper and that's okay too. Okay. So what's next for motivation? So my power up and power down is my number one favorite tool. But my second is are what I call grounding activities, things that we need to do every day to get us back to who we are. The power up and power down is part of that because... We have to figure out how to make more time for ourselves. A lot of us are running around feeling like we have to sacrifice ourselves for the good of our business or good of our families. And the power up and power down helps. But I also think that there is such great power in gratitude journaling. And while it's talked about some, some people think, oh, that's too simple, it won't work. But the grounding exercises of physically writing it down or putting it in your phone every single night will help you focus on the good. With the many stresses that are happening in the world, We need more opportunities to ground us and to help us de-stress so that we can stay in a great state that keeps us from burning out. So many people are running, burning the candle at both ends, and that can be another great way to keep you grounded. Okay, so look towards doing some
1: type of an activity that helps you catch your breath and really review the good
0: things of life. Gratitude Journal is one of them. Yes. Even boys can do this. I sat listening to David Bach, a New York Times bestselling author of nine books. He said that one of the best things he's ever done for his life is a gratitude journal. And so I love that cross divide that it's not just a girl thing. We all need those moments to help us be centered and focus on the good no, in our lives. No
1: disrespect on men, but were they no. looking for a more masculine term of
0: gratitude? Maybe. I would we have to, to find <laughs> one. What's the men version? i mean, I'll of- just pronounce it in
1: Italian. It'll sound. <laughs> yes. That's <dress> great. Okay. <laughs> Get yourself planned. Find a
0: way to ground yourself. What else? Well, You know, one of the things that I think is most important as we think about peak performance and productivity is figuring out how other people fit within our lives. Sometimes we treat the strangers on the street as somebody that's hindering us or keep holding us back. But I think one of the greatest success principles is being a people-centric person and realizing that everyone that we interact with in some way, shape, or form, we have the opportunity to help. And that doesn't mean that we have to give 100% of our time for every person that we see. But we need a better opportunity to smile at the people around us and to realize that the people that are sitting with us at an event could be the people who help us for something else. Or somebody that you meet in a restaurant could introduce you to someone else that you need and that we really live intertwined lives. So if we do that, that directly correlates to motivation, because if we are so focused on tasks
1: and we're having to negotiate with people, have meetings, discuss it, etc., we can get ourselves, lose motivation because we get discouraged or angry. So you're saying if you see the people in your world as part of that process, it starts to change the way you see your your goal to accomplishing the task?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And nothing that we do, we do in a vacuum or we do all by ourselves. And we have so many people that we need to help us. Um, You know, they talk about it takes a village to raise kids. Well, I think that's true. Our kids are interacting with so many other great people who can mentor them. But then are we turning around and doing taking that same responsibility? I think we have responsibility to the younger generation. But the sooner that we realize I love the quote, I think it's Zig Ziglar that says you can have anything you want in this life if you help enough people get what they want. And sometimes people just need a smile. And so it doesn't have to be a big giant project or activity, but just finding a way to lift someone else and then realizing that we have to put more good out in the world and more opportunities to realize that we need to be responsible and help each other a little more. Isn't it
1: interesting whether or not you're thinking divine design or uh, evolution or or such or, or our own physiology, but they've looked at science, what happens in our brain when we are helping other people. And it lights up. And it's interesting. There's another part of our brain that if I see you laughing, my brain wants to empathetically laugh with you. And and so we are designed to be feeling good when we help someone else feel good. And so that starts to lift us emotionally and mentally
0: just by the art of of being human. Yes. And I think it's interesting that we could have all been sent to our own little individual desert islands with a bunch of books. And then when our time was up, it was like, okay, what did you learn? But instead we were sent to heavily populated areas and we interact (laughs) with other people all the time. And I think that interpersonal relationships really help us decide and become the people that we're supposed to be. Mm, uh, it's something to
1: think about too, especially in this digital aid, age where if you are using the tools to help you with your priorities, they can help you connect. Yes. But they can also disconnect us quite a bit from the yes. human experience. I follow you on Facebook. I should say that. For those <laughs> who just joined us, this is Michelle McCullough. She is a speaker, a business consultant. I should say life consultant, the author of the Make It Happen Blueprint. What is the complete title of your book?
0: Yeah, it's the Make It Happen Blueprint. The- the subtitle is 18 High Performance Practices to Help You Crush Everything You Want in Life and Business Without Burning Out. 18. Mm-hmm. Not 19. Not 19. <laughs> and you've been
1: consulting for quite
0: a while. Yeah, I started um, consulting privately one on one after I left corporate in 2008.
1: Okay. Have you seen um, different challenges in, in the last 10 years, per se? And what 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 challenges we had to be efficient? You know, you mentioned you were inspired by Covey years ago, Mm -hmm. but do you see different obstacles ahead of us now versus what we had before.
0: Yeah, and perhaps this is just my perception in my life, but and maybe you can relate too, but I feel like we have a great deal many more distractions than we used to have and technology that's now available at our fingertips and therefore in our hands and in front of our faces all the time. Um, there's a never-ending bit of information that's available and so sometimes we can spend so much time online or in social media and it distracts us and can sometimes sometime erode the reality of the people that are right in front of us, too. But I think our distractions are bigger. I think our worries are bigger. And so I think the focus has decreased. And so for as I watch individuals who have a goal or dream or something that they really want, it's amazing to watch them be super fired up and excited. And then with either simple distractions or feeling like they just can't handle it in this day and age with all the things that are happening in the world, that how quickly people are more likely to give up. So I think that the distractions also help us lose sight of the things that we care about most. Speaking of
1: which, you have a concept you call time pinching that (laughs) (laughs) reminded me of, you know, my mom always telling my dad he was a penny pincher. Right. So tell us
0: about that, because that does play into a world of abundance, which is what we live in. Sure. I think our great equalizer in life is that we all have the same hours and minutes in a day. Whether you have millions of dollars in the bank or just pennies, we all get to spend our days however we want. I like the term time pinching because I feel like we're trying to find ways to do more. And I remember feeling like multitasking was it. And I had to give up my Multitasker of the Year award because I was terrible at it. But now it's about, for me, time pinching, finding those minutes. And a silly little example is that we have this, we got this new home with a glass shower and it has to be scrubbed down every single use. And it takes like four minutes. And finally, I was like... I hate this glass shower. I am showering in the hall bathroom where the kids go because and my husband thinks it's the silliest thing. But for me, if I can take four minutes times 30 in a month, I have got myself back almost a whole hour. And so finding those things that you can do in time batching as well, if you're going to make one green smoothie, make five for the week. And figure out how you can put more like items together so that you aren't redoing the same tasks over and over again. Oh, I like that. The five green
1: smoothies. And if I were you, I'd just shower and not worry about the spots on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to my husband. That's my motivation. It's <laughs> to, to, to worry a little
0: bit less. The plastic bag principle. What's that? Ugh. Well, I know that you should tell short stories on the radio, but I'll be really brief. Um, I figured this out when I was seven, and my this is the beginning of when my parents um, got divorced. And one night, my mom came into the room, and instead of putting me to bed, she handed me a plastic bag, and she said, pack whatever you can. I don't know when we're coming back. And as a seven-year-old, she left as quickly as she came. I packed some underwear and maybe some clothes and My brand new My Little Ponies that I had just gotten for my birthday. They were just as important as anything else in that bag. Sure. Mm -hmm. And we left. And I remember as an adult thinking, why didn't I say to my mom, can I have a different bag? And my grandpa was a travel agent. We had Pan Am overnight bags in abundance in our house. But I can imagine in the midst of her own trials, she was just thinking, get it done. And each of us can relate. And if we had everybody who's listening around and we shared the microphone, we could probably hear some pretty crazy stories of people's baggage and the things that they're dealing with. But the plastic bag principle for me is the reminder that we all have baggage. No one has escaped from it. And the reality is, is that our baggage doesn't define us. How we carry it does. And the opportunities that we have every day to look past those, either whether past mistakes or past trials or health challenges or people that we have to care for that cause us an additional struggle or challenge in our life, that as we can recognize that those things are there to actually help us and help us understand parts of our future and help us to help other people, that the Plastic Bag Principle really can be a place where we learn our greatest happiness and sometimes we feel like we can't do things because of the baggage that we carry, but the baggage is just there just there to make us stronger, so we can do the things that we really want to do. So don't let it limit you. Yes,
1: yeah, it's interesting just how powerful our thoughts powerful our thoughts are. they can they drive us mm-hmm. in, in feeling limitless or feeling limited, mm-hmm. feeling like you have enough time or, or not enough time, mm-hmm. whether you can meet the challenges ahead of you or that you can't. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And I think we're learning more and more about it because I know when I was a young girl that I always say, listen to the inner thoughts and then follow that. And then as I grew older and, and hosted some shows with psychotherapists and psychologists, I realized that when we're under stress, um, our brain can become ill and, and send incorrect thoughts. Sure. Or it, can, it could have been damaged in the plastic bag mm-hmm. and it could be telling us things aren't, that aren't necessarily true, that we're not. Uh, as limited or we're not, we're way stronger or are better than we think we are. So it's interesting to kind of reframe it that way. This is Michelle Nicola. We have a few more minutes with her. She's a speaker, an author, a consultant. Her book, Make It Happen, the Make It Happen Blueprint, 18... High performance practices to there help you, you crush it in life <laughs> and business. I love it. Is it digital? Is it all digital or can we get it in print? Oh, oh man, you, I got it. In yeah, print. you
0: can get it in print. It's mm-hmm. available at most bookstores and Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And Speaking of which, in this digital age, it took me a while to find a highlighter. (laughs)
1: Because I was going through and highlighting. I'm thinking, what happened to those yellow things that you used to be able to drag across books? Right. You know, it's definitely one of those things. At the beginning of our interview, Michelle was talking about one of the key ways to keep your motivation and feel like you have things balanced is to have time in the morning. Did you say 30 to 45 minutes in the
0: morning? Yeah, honestly, sometimes it's only fifteen. I don't think that you need to limit it to a specific time, okay. but just that you take it. Rise before others.
1: Mm-hmm. Take
0: time for yourself, mm-hmm. and then at the very end
1: of the day, do the same mm-hmm. and use that for planning as well and reviewing. Yes, okay. And the importance of that principle helping us put things in to balance. I, I like to think of you maybe sitting with a notebook, like a spiral notebook. Is is, is that what you do? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of really organized individuals find that those notebooks have a little bit more room Mm -hmm. because you've got to put a lot down (laughs) for what you're trying to take on. But as you've been consulting and moving people through the um, idea of creating a blueprint for a more satisfying and more uh, successful life,
0: what has been a driving principle for you? I think, you know, going back to some of those Franklin Covey days, the reminder that there are some daily, weekly, and monthly tasks that we do on a regular basis that we don't put on our to-do list over and over again, but sometimes they get forgotten. And sometimes the regular routine things are the ones that matter most. The relationships and the connections that we make with our family, um, the ways that we invest at work, um, and some of those daily, weekly, and monthly things are just as important as the things that we put on our one-time to-do list. But transferring those from a to-do list into your schedule is really important. Making time for a date night with your spouse, scheduling time with each of your kids, making sure that you're giving enough time to your work and that that time is focused But um, that time management principle that we talk about, even just in time pinching your personal tasks, works with business and everything else, too. And making peace with the clock is really powerful. Making peace with the clock. I think we're going to have to book you to come back
1: or have you be a speaker because that clock runs my life and it runs so many of our lives as well. Michelle McCullough, for those of us who want to have a chance to bring you into our businesses or
0: into other groups or to be able to connect with you as a consultant, uh, tell us how we can reach you. The best place to reach me is at speakmichelle.com, S-P-E-A-K. And I love to connect on social media, too. So I'm at Speak Michelle on almost every channel. All right. We'll look for you. Speak Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. And, and it
1: was just so uh, fortuitous for me to have a chance to bump into you 800 miles from here and I'm find so that this jewel is right here. The book, again, is the Make It Happen Blueprint. If you're looking for, you know, Father's Day gifts and all those other things coming up, I think you're going to really love it. Michelle, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.